everyone. I'm Claire. And I'm Andrew. And you're listening to the Old Masters Podcast. Today, we talked with Cassandra A.G. Chandler. Cassandra graduated from Purdue in 1981 with a Bachelor of Science in Accounting. In 1978, as a sophomore, Cassandra was the first Black homecoming queen in Purdue history. She was also a former president and founding member of Purdue's Society of Minority Managers. Cassandra has held positions at the Texas A&M Transportation Institute, Exxon, Dow Chemical, and Procter & Gamble. Currently, Cassandra is the founder and principal consultant of Systematic Design Consultants. Let's hear from Cassandra. We're here today recording the Old Masters podcast. We've got a very special guest, Cassandra A.G. Chandler. Thank you for being here with us today. I'm excited to be here. Well, so to get started, um, can you just, can you tell us your story? You know, who is Cassandra A.G. Chandler? Well, um go off bio and just tell you a little bit about my life. I'm a wife. I'm a mother. I'm a big sister. I'm a little sister. I'm an auntie. I'm a godmother. I was born in Birmingham, Alabama. A few years before the great migration of my family from Alabama to the industrial north, specifically to Gary, Indiana, where our family joined other members who had settled there. I've been, I grew up there. That's where I got my formal training, went matriculated through high school, all that kind of good stuff. Ended up at Purdue through the recruitment of Dr. Cornell A. Bell. Broke down a lot of barriers and represented my Family felt as though I had the weight of the world on my shoulders at most times, but have been able to achieve. Worked in, started out, cut my teeth in corporate America. I did an internship at Detroit Diesel Allison, at IBM, and my first job in corporate America was with Parker and Gamble. So then ended up, uh, I married, married at three. Uh, three beautiful children, later divorced, went to, into higher education, and that's where I was CIO of the Texas a and Transportation Institute and various other organizations, have been blessed to raise my children. Recently, I guess I call it recently in the last 10 years, moved to back to the Houston area. My husband of, will be nine years next year, Daryl and I have been here and uh, restarted my consulting practice, just starting out with a whole new fun phase of life and excited for what I've experienced. want to share that with others and look forward to what's left to do for me because I know there's plenty for me to get involved in and my company is doing some real cool things. So that's it. That's, that, that's my story in a nutshell. I could have done a poem to tell you that, but instead I decided to go on and do it. I, I wrote something for my dad that I thought was really cool that might encapsulate it, but came out this way. That's awesome. A poem? Okay, I would love to hear a, a Cassandra A.G. Chandler original poem sometime. So hopefully we can okay. arrange that. Yeah. Let, let me know and I will do that for you. Yeah, awesome. <laughs> 
Well, Cassandra, one thing that we think is so cool about your story is, well, first off, how you, you've explained that you're, you really view yourself as an unfinished product. Um, Absolutely. And yeah, we think that's so important. Uh, it's clear to us too, that you uh, have continued to be a mentor to people because you value that, that aspect of being unfinished. Absolutely. And we're wondering, we're wondering who, did you have a mentor at school? If so, who was it? Um, and how were you able to leverage uh, your own initiative in combination with that mentorship relationship that, that has helped you create this vision for your life? Well, I guess in the formal term of mentor, I could say role models, my parents modeled work, work ethic and set high expectations for all of us. Specifically for Purdue, I've already mentioned Dr. Cornell A. Bell, who is the, uh, was the director of the Business Opportunity Program and it's named for him now. He recruited me. I did not want to go to Purdue. And he came to my home and um, at the invitation of my mom. And the rest is history and the fact that I ended up at Purdue and he was instrumental in my, throughout my career up until he passed away. It was um, encouragement, seeing in you something that you may not have seen in yourself during periods where you don't really know what to do. When I was, uh, had three kids in the middle of divorce and was just like, I, I really want to go work someplace else. I was, I was doing something that I thought was going to be right. And I said, I need some names. And he said, you're right where you need to be. You can raise your three children in an environment where you can, you know, hold them tight and you can still pursue your and I listen to that advice. And it's always in the listening. And in the listening, you take from it nuggets that you can apply. Sometimes you have to make a different decision. And it may, may or may not be the right one. But I think it's always the right one because you follow through on what you start out doing. That's one of the things that I like to emphasize. At this university, I'm going to be the best. I'm going to strive to be involved in everything there. I call it owning, owning where you are, owning where you're planted. So that's, that's you said school, and I immediately pivoted to um, Dr. Cornell Abel. There, there were others throughout my career, but hopefully that answered your question. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that relationship that you mentioned with Dr. Cornell Abel is a really special one and mm -hmm. a mentorship relationship that a lot of students look for. And mm -hmm. again, we know that you have stayed connected to Purdue as a mentor. So yeah. how have you been able to use those lessons from Dr. Bell to mentor other people today? Well, one of the young ladies that's on the BOT program, I had the opportunity to uh, have lunch with a group of students when I was there to speak. And she reached out to me afterwards and I was fortunate to be able to walk her through getting her first interview suit and actually with the beauty of technology she she showed me what it looked she goes 
how does this look? And I said, oh, that's cool. That'll be great. We practiced. I encouraged her. And that to me was just, just amazing to be able to do that. So the young lady that is, I'm drawing blank on, on names, who is currently the student body president. She was last year. Asada um, Gilmore? Yes. Yeah, Asada. Uh, she, awesome. I met her at, when, when I was on campus for homecoming and got a chance to encourage her and tell her just a little bit of my story. And when she was running, she reached out to me. I supported her campaign and always, always have, you know, I'm just a text away to be able to do that. Um, mentored daughters of um, some of my staff and wherever I have the opportunity. So um, every time I come back to campus, I meet someone new, a young lady that was Delta Sigma Theta Sorority. They invited me back to speak and um, she and I have stayed in contact and uh, she's going off doing great things. So just being able to get, let them know that you're available and have the life experiences that you have can be beneficial to them. So those are some of the examples. Yeah, thank you for sharing that with us. And, you know, you talked about, uh, you know, being an entrepreneur, having a fulfilling mm -hmm. life, holistic, both professionally and personally, you got to balance mm -hmm. all those things. And you've already mentioned listening being so important. I think that's something yeah. all college students specifically are, are working. Yeah. What, yeah. what are the other traits or what are some other traits? Obviously not, not all of them. What are some other traits that you think um, have been able to propel you and to move forward and overcome those challenges that you've faced um, that you think have just been really pivotal in your development? Being pivotal. Well, one of the things that I have learned over the years is to say no when you are when you have so many things coming at you and when you have to prioritize begin with the end in mind if i say no to this what's that end look like that means that i'm going to have more time that means that if i can't give my 100 to this it's okay to say no uh, especially as women, we tend to be very, you know, um, I've had, I have a picture of me with that cake that's floating in the air. I had to let it settle and take time for me and take time. Um, a, a very wise woman, um, Mrs. Pruitt, who attended our, our, we went to church together. She saw me when I had three kids and they were in their formative years and I was trying to save the world. And she pulled me aside and we had that conversation. And she said, you've got three children that you're responsible for. You need to take time and make sure that they're okay. So I had to say no to some things. And I stepped away from some committees that people were drawing me into. And for the first time, it was okay for me to do that because I felt as though I had to overcome this hurdle or that hurdle. Um, having a lot of first behind your name comes with a lot of stress. And I'm in an industry that is dominated by males. And 
a lot of times you, you feel as though you've got to represent women. I've got to represent every person of color. And sometimes I just say, no, I represent me. I need to do what's best for me. And one of the things that is critical is mental health, that it's coming out in the atmosphere now and people are talking about it. But um, we've been socialized to, to be strong, specifically as African-American women, strong black women. I, I, need, I need to be able to rest. I don't need to have to do everything or be responsible or feel that I'm letting someone down. So for me, it's being able to say no and to be able to choose your peace. Letting some things go, you have to. That is sage advice, especially for any, any high achiever. It's tough to say no. It is. Um, it is. It, it is. And when you're in school, gosh, it's life. You have to balance. And, and finding that balance is sometimes I got it all wrong. And in the end, I suffer. Stress. Yep. You know, depression. I've, I've been through it. So you have to learn to pause and value peace of mind and health, mental and physical health over what that next achievement is. That comes from years of wisdom. Had I come a few years, well, maybe even 10 years ago or 20 years ago, I would have probably said something different, but um, you have the benefit of the wisdom of having crashed <laughs> and had to go, hold up. I got to take care of me. Yeah, that is incredible advice. And uh, yes, thank you for imparting that wisdom um, on us today, uh, because that is really, really good lessons. And I think as college students, it's sometimes really difficult for us to be able to say no, because everything seems like such high stakes, but it's, it's just college, you know, what is that? Come on. <laughs> oh, these are the best, those are, these are the best years of your life. Take yeah. advantage of them. <laughs> no, but it definitely is important. And I appreciate you, um, again, for, for telling us about, you know, saying no and allowing us to be able to do that. And also just being real about your experience too at Purdue. Um, cause we, we haven't totally mentioned, and I know you've kind of alluded to it, but you were the first, uh, African-American homecoming queen in Purdue's history. And I, I, I get what you mean when you say that, that comes with a lot of pressure and I just appreciate you for first talking about that here on this podcast, um, just because it's, it's real. And at the same time, even though I say that, you know, I, I get you saying that, um, it's a kind of pressure that not everyone totally understands and can identify with, unfortunately. And again, so I just appreciate you for talking about that. So with that, our last question today, what has been uh, the most rewarding aspect of your career in post-Purdue life and, and what parts of Purdue uh, have helped you to be able to move forward um, and again, have this awesome, this awesome life that you've, uh, you know, through blood, sweat, and tears <laughs> really <laughs> have been able to, to have. Wow. That's a mouthful. What, as a matter of fact, the most rewarding aspect of your career? Yeah, so what has been the most rewarding aspect of your career post-Purdue life? The most rewarding aspect of my career is to see people that I have mentored, organizations that I have
have started to see the children of people, uh, of, of staff members grow up, develop into wonderful human beings and to be able to give back and pay forward. That to me makes a difference. At um, one point someone asked me, um, you know, how do you value your job as a leader or a mentor and, uh, or, or, or measure your success? Success is measured very differently for everyone. Um, I believe in the mantra from, I think it's Desirata, if you compare yourself with others, you will become vain or bitter. For always, there will be greater or lesser person than yourself. So I count myself fortunate to be able to have people who have worked under me and they're hopefully allow them to reach a balance as well as to push themselves in their career. So to see them go on to become CIOs and their children to be healthy, wealthy, and in spirit and in academics or whatever, that's extremely rewarding to me. And to know that the institutions that I hopefully made better are still there and the individuals are progressing through them. So it's all about the people investment, the organizations as well who benefited from it. But it's the people. People make up organizations. Well, thank you. Thank you for being here. And thank you for your incredibly, you know, real and, and I mean, insightful and, and I think lessons to, to take that everyone can take um, by sharing your experiences and, and your, really your whole experience, not just professionally, but personally. So, so thank you for being here. And we're incredibly excited to have you back on campus this fall for the Purdue Old Masters program. I look forward to it. You've been listening to the Old Masters Podcast, where we hear the real stories of past Boilermakers to enrich our student experience. Connect with the 2021 Old Masters by attending this year's Late Night with the Old Masters on Monday, November 8th at 5.30 p.m. Special thanks to our Old Masters Podcast guests, Old Masters Advisors, Margie Jones and Zoe Stoudy. Old Masters Promotional Officers and Podcast Producers, Sarah Pencil and Caitlin Carlson. And the 2021 Old Masters Central Committee, especially Savannah Bordner, Elliot Schmittenberg, Amanda Schaefer, and Andy He.